0: This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. This is a foundations episode where I discuss some fundamentals on real estate investing. Today's topic is about primary, secondary, and tertiary markets. What are they? And I also wanted to get into discussion about ABCD class rentals. People always want to know where is the best place to buy rentals. The way to explain this is there are primary markets such as Dallas, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. You know, these are all the big metropolitan areas. Then you have secondary markets such as Memphis, Birmingham, Atlanta might be a little bigger one, Jacksonville. You know, Houston still would be a primary market. Kansas City, Indianapolis. These are kind of the next tier of size cities. In the Northwest, you can make a case that Tacoma is a secondary market. But I would probably lump that into the greater Seattle area. I mean, they're so close together. Seattle's going to raise the tide of Tacoma. The next tier is called the tertiary markets. And I think the tertiary kind of stands for three, the third shelf. These markets are even smaller than secondary markets and they're not quite pulled on size, but they're, you know, they're bigger size areas. There's kind of like Waco, Texas as one. Yakima, Washington. I really don't have any many examples off the top of my head, but these are the 50,000 population cities. And the population is really a general rule of thumb. The smaller cities, for sure. And then you can even take it a step further and say, you know, smaller than tertiary markets. And these would be definitely like the 20,000, 10,000 population towns. I personally go after secondary markets primarily because in primary markets, you have all this money in the market. You know, these are where all the big high paying jobs are. And a lot of these people are unsophisticated buyers buying investment properties because everybody says real estate's the best thing to invest in. Unfortunately, what happens in a lot of these primary markets, take Seattle, I've heard this statistic about 80% or the greater majority of non-owner occupied homes are owned by a landlord that just owns one single family home. Minority of the other homes are owners that own multiple. But that tells you something. Most homes are owned by unsophisticated buyers who are buying non-performing cash flowing assets. And they are just investing for appreciation. And as we talk about here on the podcast, cash flow is king. Cash flow is what keeps you afloat. Now, if you're a billionaire or multi-millionaire, you probably don't even care about cash flow. You're just looking for capital preservation. But I'm not like that. And I'm looking for a better yield than the stock market. Another reason why I say to go into secondary markets are because not only do you get away from all the frenzy in the primary markets, by going a step out and a little less beaten track, the competition is a lot lower. A lot of these towns, there's not really these big population of investors going up and driving up the price. In terms of the economy, the secondary markets tend to have a little bit weaker economies than the primary markets but it's still very strong. It's better than tertiary markets. One nuance to understand is, you know, you want to buy in secondary markets with robust economies. Like Kansas City is a very good example. They've got all these Fortune 500 companies headquartered in Kansas City. Bad example would be Detroit. Now Detroit is definitely a secondary market in terms of population and size. However, We all know that it's not a robust economy. So your market selection needs to be both a secondary market with a robust economy. Now currently, as we stand in 2016, I believe that we're in the 7th or 8th inning of the market cycle. So if you were to think of the market kind of like a rising tide, that tide is raising all boats, even tertiary markets and even 4th level markets. I mean, that's why you're seeing a lot of these tertiary markets kind of being sold off as good rental properties. And they're performing. But what happens when you have a market correction? I mean, what are the driving economies of these tertiary markets, really? I'm just a little uncomfortable that in a market correction, what's going to happen in those tertiary markets? There's got to be at least a dozen good secondary markets with robust economies. I mean, why do you have to go to a tertiary market? The next topic is classes of buildings and classes of neighborhoods. Now, whether you have a primary, secondary, tertiary market within those markets, you have different grades of properties and their neighborhoods. The classification is described on A, B, C, D or F class basis. A is the best. B is the second. C is the next. D and F are kind of synonymous with war zone properties. Now let's start with A. Now A is where all the yuppies and where everybody wants to live. You will not really find any cash flow in these areas because the rent-to-value ratios aren't going to yield that. These are the places with the best schools, the lowest crime rates. I mean, it's places where I'd like to live. The B class is usually your working class neighborhood. Got some white-collar jobs, but most people are pretty much blue-collar workers. The C-class is kind of the fringe between B-class and some people who aren't really fully employed. You got a lot more crime in these areas, and the schools aren't the greatest. But with that trade-off, you have a lot more cash flow, and the prices are lower to get into. And I think it goes without saying, the rent-to-value ratios will be higher in these areas. The last is the D and F-class properties, which is a war zone type property. You'll have the highest cash on cash returns on paper. So that means you have the highest RV ratios, but it's always a difficulty to collect those rents. You have the most vacancies, you have the most crime, you have the most headaches. This is by no means a passive investment. Now I described the type of properties. You can also describe the neighborhood in terms of A, B. C, D, and F. Usually, real estate investors like to have the neighborhood be higher than the class of property. So for example, be in an A-class neighborhood and a B-class property because you can improve that B-class property into A-class property and now you'll have the A-class property in an A-class neighborhood. An ideal situation for some of the apartment buildings that I'm going after are C-class apartments but in a B-class neighborhood. So we're trying to force the equity and make all the improvements to make that B-class apartment match that B-class neighborhood. Also, it kind of goes without saying to take the broker's opinion with a grain of salt. I mean, they're always going to be trying to sell you on the property is in better shape than it is or the neighborhood's nicer than what it seems. As a general rule of thumb, I always take what they say and just bring it down a step. So if they bring me a A-minus property, I mean, I kind of think it's a B-minus. But you have to build your relationships with your people and get that calibrated. And that's it. That's kind of the overview on the classes of properties, neighborhoods, and markets. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to shoot me an email, lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. And talk to you guys next time. Bye. The content found here is just my opinion and things change, and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.